Welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, an inclusive jobs and career space for women and non-binary individuals. My name is Zoe Jones. I am your host. I'm a careers coach, life coach, marketer and yoga teacher, and I've worked for some of the biggest corporations in the world. But right now I'm committed to breaking down barriers to change the narrative surrounding gender equality and diversity at work. So whether you're a HR leader or a job seeker looking to dive into a male-dominated industry, this podcast is for you. Each week we'll have real, open and honest conversations about diversity at work, discrimination, the gender pay gap and everything in between. I'll raise topical debates about women at work, I'll speak to industry leaders and I can't wait to offer some career-related meditation and manifestation extra special bonus podcasts. So watch out for those. I am so happy to have you here. Grab yourself a hot drink and settle down for the Jobs for Women podcast. So I am delighted to welcome a very special guest to the Jobs for Women podcast this morning. Sarah Jane Bray has been part of the policing family for over 20 years, joining South Wales Police as a typist and enjoying a varied career that has taken her through many roles locally and nationally. A passionate supporter of diversity and inclusion, Sarah Jane was chair of the SWP Gender Equality Network from 2019 to 2022, chairing the All Wales Gender Equality Network chair meeting throughout 2021. She's a member of both the BAWP and IAWP, supporting the latter with their communication and engagement strategy. She introduced the first IAWP international buddy scheme, which took place during COVID and saw 40 women from all over the world connect to discuss shared issues. She has program managed a number of national portfolios, including the transition from ACPO to NPCC, as well as the inquisitive crime portfolio and the sexual misconduct portfolio. She is currently seconded to Thames Valley Police to programme and manage the MPCC recruitment, retention and well-being of investigator portfolio and to support the force with their VAWG delivery framework. As an experienced internal engagement manager, Sarah Jane is responsible for the internal VAWG engagement strategy, encouraging a healthy team culture within TVP whilst raising awareness of sexual misconduct in the workplace wow what an intro I'm so sorry about all the acronyms as well I really should have explained those I do apologize no it's all right I mean what an introduction thank you so much and welcome to the podcast glad to be here I suppose we can dive into the acronyms a little bit um but your experience is just so incredible and when we initially chatted that's why I was just like wanting to connect with you and I'm so happy you've agreed to come on the podcast and share your experiences because the work you are doing is really, really outstanding. It's, it's such a breath of fresh air to see that, you know, all of the issues, um, are being addressed. So, um, I've, we've, we've talked about some questions at a rough format, um, for this chat today, but in light of the report that's just come out, I thought we could just dive in um, to uh, the report that was um, issued. I know it's been um, over all over the press a little bit today, and it's from His Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary and Fire Rescue Services. And the report was ordered after the kidnap, rape and murder of Sarah Everard. Um, I know, obviously, it's it's just been released, but um, I just wondered if you could share any thoughts, opinions on the report 
Of course. So when we were saying about the AWD, that's the Violence Against Women and Girls uh, portfolio that all police are paying, enormous amount of attention to, not just because of the, the tragic murder of Sarah Everard and some of the awful things that came out after that as well, but also in terms of our response to um, domestic abuse and sexual offences, which we know is probably not where it really needs to be in terms of our outcomes. So I also work, um, as you mentioned, as part of the sexual misconduct portfolio, which is a national portfolio bringing together colleagues from across the UK, looking at what are the key issues around inappropriate sexual behaviour in the workplace. So we're talking things like sexual harassment in the workplace. We're talking abusive position for sexual purposes, inappropriate use of social media and some of those kind of issues. Um, they are, as you as you can guess, highly uh highly critical at the moment and hugely pivotal in how we move forward as, as a service. Um, I became involved in the sexual misconduct work back in 2018 when South Wales Police were one of the first uh, forces to really lift the rock on sexual harassment in the workplace. The Welsh region was, to be fair, we've got a brilliant region in Curran Wales which are really focused on equality diversity issues. And it was actually prompted, not by the things you've seen in the press more recently, but it was actually by, excuse me, I'm full of cold. Um, <laughs> it was actually by the um, this really, this really powerful survey by uh, the LSE and the University of Surrey, I think it was, and Unison, looking at the experience of police staff and sexual harassment. That was back in 2018, had some stark findings, which then prompted the Welsh region to look at, look, is this an issue in the force? Is this an issue in our four Welsh forces? Is it affecting police officers too? So we did an independent review with a brilliant company called Chwarateg, who are a gender equality charity in Wales. They came in and did this work with us. Well, we found, yes, it absolutely is an issue. Um, and there were things that I had thought we had left in the dark and distant past. You know, women being subject to incredibly inappropriate behaviour, inappropriate language, uh, banter. I hate mm. that term. I wish I could find something else for it. Um, and those kind of things. So we started work on this in South Wales, really drove um, some powerful pieces of work to change that culture and ended up taking on the national work. The things that you see in, are coming out in that report, unfortunately, aren't as a huge surprise to those of us working in this field. But I recognise they're incredibly painful for the rest of policing because, like myself, people think we've left this in the past and it's clear that we haven't. And I think it's really important to say that the vast majority of us working in policing just don't recognise that culture and I'm part of it and, yeah. and feel really strongly about it. So when we're talking about misogyny and policing, that for me is really painful because misogyny being that hatred of women, I can honestly say I've never experienced that in 22 years from my colleagues. I'm a police staff member, which may make me more susceptible sometimes to this. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced that feeling of hatred from any of my male colleagues. I've passed, you know, we've passed some right wrong ends, no doubt, during that, <laughs> those years. We are we're part of our community. But what we found when we did the work internally was that there was a real low level of understanding of what sexual harassment and abuse position is, and a real high level of tolerance for that behaviour. So women assimilated into teams and almost this ethical drift of teams moving from what is an ethical behaviour and then slowly sliding, you know, starting with that banter that becomes a little bit more inappropriate, that then perhaps moves into um, 
you know, uh, inappropriate relationships in the workplace and so on. And women had kind of grown accustomed to it, mm-hmm. uh, which made it hard for them to see as well, because we don't get a lot of people standing up against the behavior, you know, because we've just become used to it. So that was a key starting point for us. And I think that's a key starting point from this report is really understanding that tolerance in the workplace for this and how we start breaking We want everybody to come to work and be treated with dignity and respect. We want healthy team cultures for everyone. And we can't silo this up into gender, into race, Mm -hmm. into homophobia. We need to come together as protected characteristics and say no more. And this is what a healthy team culture looks like. And this is why this behavior is wrong internally because it reflects externally in how we treat treat each other is how we treat our communities. Um, And that's the key rub for me. But I take great heart in that whilst reading that is really stark and will be really difficult for our communities and for a lot of people in the force who just don't recognise this as part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of us working in this space, it's no surprise, but we, I am really reassured by the activity the forces are taking to stamp out this behaviour. We've got brilliant people working across the UK in professional standards departments to really look at what are early intervention, what are, you know, um, how do we culture change? You know, I'm sure you hear lots of those comments. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, but how do we do that? And how do we do that quickly but meaningfully so we don't drive behaviour underground, I guess. Yeah. So it's not a surprise, but I'm really reassured, and I'd reassure anybody who's watching this, that you know, there is masses being done by uh, forces to really stamp out this behaviour. And as someone who's worked there for 20 odd years in two forces now and travelled to lots of others, I've been blessed with a really great career um, that has not really been marred by significant cases of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, and I think when a report like that is published, um, the media pinpoints and picks out um, almost scaremongering uh, with the public. But obviously with uh, the Sarah Everard case, like, I, you know, I worked in London for 10 years and living back up north now in Leeds. And, I, you know, it, it really, really touched so many women, didn't it? So, um, yeah. yeah. What I what I really, um, you know, Policing has been a difficult time, I think, for a number of us um, over the last couple of years. You know, certainly those of us who are strong, equality, diversity allies. You know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement, which certainly had a number of us really thinking about, have we moved forward since Mm -hmm. uh, the McPherson report and Stephen Lawrence, when so much work was done? And then Sarah Everett, I mean, I, I cannot tell you the pain of colleagues to know that someone took advantage of their power to do the worst possible thing you can do to another human being and then for that to be what we are known for you know for women in the service if I'm like oh we don't want to be part of this anymore we can't you feel almost a traitor to the cause how can I be a gender equality ally and know Mm -hmm. that this has happened in our name almost someone using their power dressed in their power to do this and for our male colleagues who you know, as I said, just work so hard as well alongside us to treat people with dignity and respect. It was so, so painful. Nothing compared to the pain of, you know, obviously her family and friends and, you know, the pain of what that causes to, to, to the communities. But it really, 
it really struck a painful note, I think, for a huge number of us. Yeah, I bet. And, and, and what you said, it, it's almost like being tarred with the same brushes, isn't it? The force is full of people that work, that are so committed to their job, the service. And yeah, yeah like when you say about being a woman in the force, that must have been really difficult because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is how the force are proactively you know recruiting more women and then having women in the force right up to you know when they retire is that part of the strategy especially after everything that's coming out have we seen more women leaving the force or less joining I know there's a drive to get more more officers recruited um so is there like a special uh recruitment technique or a way to get more women and appeal to more women it's really interesting because for me we we tend to get quite healthy numbers of women entering the service I think we're at something like 40 percent representation in terms of officer numbers staff numbers are far higher women tend to take up more of the staff roles but we've seen around 40 percent which of course isn't representative of our uh, our makeup in our communities but it's so much more than it was when we were middling it 30% for a long, long time. So that 10% increase is really, is really powerful. For me, when I was gender equality chair, I was really keen that I didn't become involved so much in the recruitment side of things because I wanted to make sure that when women land, they entered a um, a workplace that supported them and empowered them to live their best lives and live their authentic lives. So most of my energy goes into there. As part of the Violence Against Women and Girls framework, there are aspects in that around encouraging greater gender representation in the organisation. So that's part of the recruitment and drawing women in. Mm-hmm. But for me, what women often realise is they land in a service that is 24-7, 365 days a year. It has a huge impact on your family life and your work life. So we're really focused on how do we how do we focus on family-friendly policies? How do we ensure that women have access and men have access, actually, Mm -hmm. to flexible working policies, to be able to work part-time, to be able to be parents, um, and really encouraging our men to be part of that as well. And so that when women come in, they have the option of no, actually not the option, of knowing that taking time out to have children won't impact their career. Because we know that women are behind men in terms of the career pathway and it's getting better. Um, the other thing that's really interesting for me as well, I think, is we talk a lot about gender equality in role. So policing is vast. You know, you come in as a PC and then suddenly there's this huge world open to you of roles. You can go into child protection. You can become a firearms officer. You can go to the dogs and horses section you can fly helicopters if you want you know there's so much there that you can do you can work in our digital departments it's honestly there's a career for everyone it feels like about 22 years in multiple organizations because I've been able to do so many roles but for me the interesting thing is we do this real drive of we must have gender representation everywhere and that's fine if that's what women want now we know that some women don't want to go work in firearms yeah some women don't want to go work in some of those male-oriented departments not necessarily because they feel they're entering a, a male department that's going to have you know this layery kind of culture but because it's just not what they fancy and it's the same men sometimes don't want to come and work in some of the domestic abuse departments or or those kind of things it's about gender uh, equality of opportunity I guess. Um, so as long as there's no barriers to women going into those roles, there's nothing stopping them yeah. that is organisationally created. I'm quite relaxed about that gender, um, that gender picture. 
as long as they as long as they've got the opportunity to go in there, I'm happy. If they feel that there's barriers that are stopping them going into those roles, then that's when you know that's what we need to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely. forces are really hard around those things. I would say to make sure that they've got representation, to make sure that they are, you know, really striving to create healthy, as I say, healthy teams where people can be parents. And I yeah. I class all genders as that. Yeah, not just, not just women. And can you tell us a little bit more about um, the conversations about sexual misconduct that you're, is that, is that separate? I know in um, the work that you're doing, is that like a separate um, initiative that you're doing? It is. So when I came into Thames Valley Police, I came in quite recently, I'm seconded from South Wales, um, yeah. mainly to do with the, the National Recruitment and Retention and Wellbeing of Investigators, which is something I'm really excited about, uh, but also to help them with their violence against women and girls internal response. My, wow. my day job is internal engagement manager. So what for me is key when we are doing all this drive around um, how we create healthy team cultures and, you know, we have to understand, as I said, this perception externally of how the media plays some of this and how that's repeated back on social media by our communities, of course, who hear this narrative. That can have a real impact on our officers and staff. And sometimes it can be a bit of a pushback. So for me, engagement is key. It's when you're taking this messaging, not just putting posters up, not just putting something on your internet, but taking it to people and helping people have difficult conversations where they're not shy to say or ask the awkward question that they feel perhaps might kind of into trouble perhaps um, yeah. so i created the internal engagement violent kids women and girls strategy which is one of the first that we've seen in the uk that is targeted specifically at this subject and one of the interventions is the courageous conversations i'm a big fan of conversations like this of webinars that people can just dip yeah. in and out of what they need um but i talk a lot as you can tell um <laughs> and they tend to be about two hours long so what we've done we've split what is sexual misconduct? We've split it into six separate categories, going right back to why are we still banging on about gender equality? Why is this still an issue for us? We've got women as chief constables now. Come on, get over it, girls. <laughs> it's still an issue. It's still an issue because of the things we've talked about. Yeah. So what is that? Taking it right through then into everyday sexism and misogyny and how misogyny, you know, we're using that term. As I said, I don't feel as a hatred of women people I, I work with but there is a cultural issue that we all are subject to around that everyday sexism piece that is ingrained in us from a young age and we've really delved into that as an issue and that one gives real light bulb moments about how we raise our children how we speak to our partners you know for all genders then taking it into right what, what does sexual misconduct mean going into what does sexual harassment look like sexual harassment in the workplace there's this idea of oh my gosh I can't I can't ask anybody out you can ask someone out but when they tell you no, you don't ask them again. Yeah. <laughs> or, or when you break up, you don't suddenly start, you know, making a nuisance of yourself. Mm-hmm. Or do you know what I mean? Just yeah. recognize this isn't about, you know, oh, I can't tell some, you can't open the door for someone anymore. That's not it. That's not it at all. Yeah. But you can't ask someone about their sex life or, you know, what they get up to. Come on, let's have a yeah. listen. So we really delved into what those conversations look like. And again, we've got one today about how you report this behaviour and how you be an upstander to it. And we've got a few more coming up around healthy team culture leadership and how leaders create that culture. And they co-role in that. Yeah. 
And um, it's been great because people come along, they engage, they in the chat function, we use Slido, which is allows them to ask questions anonymously. So they ask the questions that they feel they couldn't ask in training. You know, one of the big ones that we had in the last session was, what if the behavior doesn't mean to be sexual harassment? And, right? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> So, so you know someone's panicking here, right? That they might have asked someone out to maybe if you could, you know. Yeah. It's like yeah. nothing around sexual harassment that we end up sacking people for is accidental. Nobody gets sacked for, you know, we've yeah. all perhaps asked the wrong person something once. Or, you know, we've we've got to have this, this ability to sometimes get it wrong with each other. You know, it's the same about the clumsy conversations around race or or um, trans or uh, LGBTQ plus yeah. issues. We have to be able sometimes to ask a daft question, you know, if it's comes from an open space yeah. and, a, and a good place. And so being able to encourage people to ask those kind of questions and for us then to be able to say, it's very rare for sexual harassment to be accidental. People know what they're doing. This is so <laughs> this is so brilliant, the work that you're doing, even the fact that they can ask anonymous, because we've all been, haven't we, in training sessions, when I think back to my career and you're in the moment and you think, oh my God, am I going to sound stupid or will I be judged? Or So that yeah. is really impressive that they've got this sort of safe space and then this yes. culture work, this is how you're doing, you know, that culture yeah. work is so important and it takes time, but having those platforms is really yes. impressive that you guys are doing that. Because we're so afraid of upsetting people. I mean, yeah. I'm really fortunate. I've got some brilliant trans transgender friends who I'm sure I have been so clumsy with in the way that I've asked questions around and they're so patient with me and I, I hate that we put the burden on people um, you know to kind of explain this when you know we're able to look and, and learn ourselves but I, I wanted people to have that environment where they can ask that clumsy question um, you know without fear of being offensive with a facilitator there to help you know yeah. perhaps phrase it more appropriately or because people are that's how we learn, isn't it, is when we bought Exactly, exactly. Um, so that's, yeah, that's amazing. And so you said you've got another one today. Is that like a regular thing that you're doing just daily, yes. weekly in the force? That's really impressive. And every other week. Every other week, wow. And I also wanted to say congratulations because I know you've just won the 2022 Gender Equality Champion Award at the Women's Fire Awards. Well done. How was that? to be recognized oh, you know for all this amazing work you're doing how was that it's, it's mortifying <laughs> there are so many people out there who deserve it more than me you know you're in this room full of these brilliant oh. brilliant brilliant people and you think what on earth am i doing <laughs> I, you know imposter syndrome that's, it. that's a uh -huh. zoom call for another day right yeah. <laughs> it really is um but it was such a huge privilege and i think i get the thing that's mortifying for me is just, this is what I come here to do. I'm just, all I want to do is make a difference and make a positive difference for people. I just want to be able to, it's not about power, it's about influence. What can I change yeah. for the better? Um, and I don't see that as something to be rewarded, really. I think, you know, it's just, that's what I'm here to do. That's what I like to do. But it was really, really special. And it, um, it, was, a, it was a real privilege to be just in the room full with all those brilliant people. Well, it's amazing to be recognised. I know you're being super modest, but you've obviously been recognised because you're doing such a fantastic job. And it's it's so refreshing to hear, you know, like a report can come out that is so, you know, quite upsetting when you read the way the media pick out certain parts. And we've talked all about that, but the work that you're doing is 
is amazing and it's inspiring and it's so important to share it like on for jobs for women uh we've got women of all ages um you know listening to the podcast and talking about all of these issues i did also want to ask before we finish um does the force see many women i don't know if you'll know this just off the top of your head you know like if they're already in a career and they fancy yes changing does that is that is that is that oh that's amazing happens a lot and I, I would urge women as well to consider it's not just you don't have to just put a uniform on you don't just have to be a police officer policing is such a vast environment for staff and for operational colleagues um we do see people coming in later in service there's a brilliant uh, thames valley police have had um on linkedin there's a couple of articles on people who have come in you know in their 40s and you know, seen out their career there and older. You know, we've had PCSOs join older, um, and also, as I said, staff jobs where you can be operational. You know, in call in our call centres, or you know, I started as a typist. You know, I've been so lucky to have what feels like a new career every two or three years because I've just oh, been wow. able to dance into different things. So I would absolutely urge women everywhere. You know. And by all means, if you want to share my details or, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, yeah, please get absolutely. in touch with me. I was going to actually ask you that next. We're so aligned. I was going to say, <laughs> if, if people want to, want to connect with you and, yeah, is LinkedIn the, the right place? Yeah, that's probably the best. Okay. You can catch me there more often than not. Okay. And I'll put some uh, details um, in the show notes. Um, so well, that... I'm on Twitter as well. Twitter's oh, a good one you? to catch me on as well. All right. I'll add, I'll um... add your Twitter handle. We've got a really good debate next week. There's a brilliant uh, cop chat. It's called We Cops, hashtag We Cops. It happens every Wednesday at nine o'clock in the evening. Um, and we've got one next week because it's our wellbeing uh, of Investigative Week of Action. And we've got a We Cop chat next week talking about attraction and recruitment. So if people are interested in coming into Pathways, because you can come in direct as a as a detective in, in some cases. Oh, wow. So if everybody's interested, they can join that chat and, and ask me and uh, Deputy Chief Constable Jason Hogg some questions on that next week. Brilliant. I'll share those details as well on the website. Thank you so much. I know I keep saying thank you and all of our correspondence before this interview. I just want you to know that I am really grateful and you've got such an inspiring story and keep doing this amazing work. And thanks for giving us your time today. I hope you I hope you continue to do great things, which I'm sure you will. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. It's a real pleasure and a real joy and lovely to meet you as well yeah. uh, face to face. So stay in touch. And as yeah. I said, share my details. I'm happy to talk anytime. I'm very passionate about policing, um, as I'm sure you can tell. So please yeah. get thank in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. Wow, what an interesting interview with Sarah Jane. It was such a pleasure to talk to her about the incredible work that she's doing and Obviously, we talked firstly about the uh, report that was published by His Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary and Fire and Rescue Services, which was obviously after the kidnap, rape and murder of Sarah Everard in March 2021. Um, it was really hard um, to read that report. And obviously, the media do pull out you know, particular details, but the findings, let's be real, are very worrying and very serious. Um, so it was interesting to hear Sarah Jane's um, experience of that, that there are so many police officers that work so hard in the job that are not um, behaving in this way. It's always a minority, well, in most cases. 
So it was interesting to hear it from the other side. Um, and also as a woman in the police force and the way she talked about how it, it does make you question if you were a woman in the force, like, you know, what's happening? Because it was such a serious, horrific, awful murder and rape. And, you know, it, it touched so many people. I remember when it, when it happened and it really, really touched me. I, I worked and lived in London for 10 years and yeah, it was just horrific. And I know a lot of my female friends and colleagues and people I've known over the years all felt the same. There was a collective feeling of sadness, um, of grief and sort of that familiar, familiar, familiar feeling um, that, you know, it could have been us, it, it could be you. It's So this report is, is obviously, um, it's come out. Um, within the report, it talks about um, officers staging unwarranted stops of women in an abuse of power known as beauty patrols with crimes such as sexual assault covered up and ignored along the large scale harassment of female officers and members of the public. Um, I'll link to the report um, in the show notes. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Do email me or you can comment on any social media posts. I'd love to know if you've ever considered joining the force and if perhaps something like this report or what happened to Sarah Everard made you change your mind. Um, But to end on a positive note, it is amazing the work that Sarah Jane's doing. I'm so impressed with uh, her energy and enthusiasm for the work that she's doing. And that's what we need. We need people leading in those areas with this passion and uh, dedication to the work. So yeah, exciting things to come from Sarah Jane and the work that she's doing. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jobs Women podcast. I will see you next week.